Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of June 2011. For newcomers to this broadcast, look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of audios to download for free where you can hopefully get the shortcuts to understanding this big system that you've been brainwashed not to see through your educational system and the media. But I try and show you how it all links together with the big foundations, big international banks, corporations, etc., and how they literally form a parallel government. And they've been here for an awful long time. And some of the big players uh, to do with this parallel government have written their own memoirs telling you where the whole world's going, how it's going to be, and all the rest of it. And uh, I give you uh, the links to them, etc. So help yourself to those. And remember, all the sites you see listed on the com site have uh, transcripts in English for download and print up. Uh, and uh, if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwatsentinel.eu and you'll, you'll find a, a variety offered there. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help buy the books and discs uh, that I have on the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check still. You can use an international postal money order still, and you can send cash. And you can also use PayPal. You'll find the, on the com site, there's a donation button. Use that, and uh, I'll get the order right out to you. Remember, straight donations, too, are very, very welcome. After the, the, the donation, send in the donation, remember to send an email with name, address, and order as well, just to verify it, to make sure I don't lose it. And across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union, you have MoneyGram, and again, you have PayPal using the donation button. Follow it with an email, name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. You know, Canada Post has been on strike for about a week, and apparently they're getting ordered back to work today or tomorrow by the government uh, because everything's kind of stopped on that front. So you can continue to order and hopefully I can get things out next Monday. We live in a world, again, that we've been conditioned not to see. And as I've said before, if your parents don't know, then you won't know. All mammals are the same. You look to, to for your parents to warn you of what creatures are dangerous to you and how to avoid them. And if your parents don't know, then you'll get eaten. And it's the same with humans, just another mammal. If your parents think everything is normal and quite natural and sit and watch television every night, uh, then you'll grow up thinking the same thing as them. Your education is meant to reinforce this, uh, this delusion, really, uh, which is a fixed false belief that everything is quite natural. And uh, the, the media and the entertainment business take over as well. And they've got every generation and ages within the generations 
sussed out perfectly. They know exactly what to target for for the for the five year olds, ten year olds, fifteen, twenty, uh, thirty, forty, etc. So it's, it's so well orchestrated this world in which we live. And they know that you're worried about different things when you're 40 or 50. You're worried about your pension coming up. Will you have a job? Uh, what's your pension going to be worth? That kind of stuff. When you're a teenager, you get lots of sex, a big candy store of sex now, and that'll keep you busy for quite some years, in fact. And you won't be, you won't really care about anything else that's happening in the world. And for the youngsters, they're training them to be interested in sex through their education at school and through all the, the music televisions and all the, the movies that they watch as well. So everybody's worked out in their own age group perfectly, perfectly well understood, because as Plato said, you know, culture comes down from the top, must be authorized. Any unauthorized culture could destroy the system, and so it has to come down from the top. And he also mentioned uh, that they work together, and that was drama, and today we'd say movies. And he said uh, the, the, the uh, music, uh, the musicians and the kind of music they play, and also the fashion industry. Nothing has changed in 2,300-odd years. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix. Everything in this world really has a different purpose from the the purposes they, they make you believe they're intended for. And it's very, very Orwellian. Indeed, you have to look around 180 degrees to find out what's really happening or what an institution or an organization is actually there for. And even within your own governments, different departments. And uh, we know that the, the big plan, of course, uh, through all of the big foundations that work together, they're all on board, as the pirates like to say, uh, themselves, uh, that they, they want to bring in a planned society and the, the, the whole idea with climate propaganda is to do with this, to, to be the big stick to force us all to live in sustainable communities, bring down the population, share your, your wealth across the world, all the old communist or socialist uh, manifestos. And uh, it's working very well because everyone's on board with it. They've put so many lies out and they're back with so much money because the foundations are actually owned by the big banking boys on top of the international money lenders, in fact and captains of industry, I think they're like generals of industry, really. And they form the parallel governments, and they fund these armies of non-governmental organizations. Uh, they fund textbooks for colleges and universities to make sure the propaganda's getting into all the right places. And, uh, and they hand so many press releases out to the press that are immediately just put right in the newspapers, and they get lots of exposés on television, too. Because, you see, we must believe... Uh, yeah, you understand, we've got to believe it's like, like George Orwell's 1984 where Smith has been tortured and uh, Brian keeps saying, how many fingers am I holding? And um, by this time, Smith knows how many he's supposed to see. He doesn't really see that he's supposed to see it. And he says, anything that you want. And uh, and that's really what Big Brother wants you to do is to, whatever reality he gives you, you must believe it. And if he says he can fly, then you must believe it. And uh, you'll really suffer if you don't. This is the world to do with uh, Agenda 21, uh, sustainable development, and uh, and climate change, of course, which they really latched on to a long, long time ago as a, as a good one to use. In fact, go back the books many years, go over them, and you'll find that the same guys who are writing about global warming 
were, were bestsellers back in the 60s, early 70s, to do with the coming Ice Age. Same authors. So, here's an article here from the Washington Times. It says, uh, the UN, editorial UN climate propaganda exposed industry lobbyists behind scientific claims in the IPCC, that's the United Nations Panel on Climate Change, which is headed by an ex-railway driver, uh, Mr. Pachuri. It's a press release, and it says... Um, the entire world will soon be dependent on renewable energy, so governments ought to start subsidizing these industries immediately. This is from the IPCC at the United Nations. So said the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. In a report released Tuesday, that's a political panel with nothing to do with science. The study's conclusion was such a blockbuster that the panel issued a press, a press release last month previewing the finding, which said close to 80% of the world's energy supply could be met by renewables by mid-century if backed by the rights enabling public policies, a new report shows, it proclaims. Since the statement was supposedly based on actual scientific research, Steve McIntyre, editor of the Climate Audit blog, did what the IPCC might, must have assumed that nobody would bother doing. He checked the sources cited in the report. He discovered the IPCC's banner claim was not the work of prestigious and disinterested scientists toiling away in a laboratory, but of hacks with a political agenda and direct financial stake in the issue. Yeah, because there's big money involved in this. The 80% claim was lifted directly from a paper entitled Energy Evolution 2010, A Sustainable World Energy Outlook whose primary authors included Sven Teske from Greenpeace and Christine Linz from the European Renewable Energy Council. <laughs> so they wrote the report. According to the latter's group's website, it is the united voice of the European renewable energy industry. EREC speaks on behalf of the companies that make windmills, solar panels, and other uneconomic forms of energy that rely upon heavy government subsidies to turn a profit. Not surprisingly, the IPCC's primary goal has been to browbeat governments around the world into pouring taxpayer cash into this rent-seeking industry. In addition to being the source of the 80% claim, the Greenpeace activists also happen to be a primary author of the relevant chapter of the new IPCC report. No conflict of interest there. Special report on renewable energy sources and climate change mitigation it says, the incestuous relationship is not limited. Mr. Teske, Greenpeace and the Renewable Energy Lobby jointly released a version of the Energy Evolution report that contained a foreword by Rajendra K. Pachuri. He's a railway engineer, the IPCC's director general. The IPCC sees nothing wrong with this arrangement, so they get their own guys to write up the reports as official reports from the public, right? IPC relies on a wide range of expertise, including authors from the business sector as well as from NGOs and academia. Well, you can trust them, eh? IPCC's uh, spokesman, Rokaya Edara, told the Washington Times, Sven Teske is one of nine lead authors of Chapter 10 of the SRREN. That's the big report. Two coordinating lead authors have overseen the process of writing the chapter. It was a balanced teamwork with different views and expertise represented. Claims of balance are hardly credible when the process is infiltrated by ideologues and industry insiders looking to apply the veneer of science to their craven grab for other people's cash. Fortunately, the days when leftists could get away with passing off their global warming scare stories unchallenged are over. Skeptics smell blood and closely examine every document, frequently identifying gaping holes in logic and credibility. 
That's why the Environmental Protection Agency needs to pull the plug on the job-crushing cap-and-trade-style regulations that's your carbon taxes they want to bring in. It seeks to impose. The agency based the whole of its endangerment finding on the work of IPCC as if it were scientific. It'd be more honest for the EPA to say its rules are based on the desire of Greenpeace and the renewable energy industry to raise taxes on competing sources of electricity. They shouldn't be allowed to get away with this fraud. You're darn right they shouldn't. And we shouldn't be paying them a darn cent either. And Mr. Pachuri should go back to driving train engines if he can find his way along the line. And uh, that, that's what it's all about. It's a, big, it's a political agenda apart from that too. It's not just all cash, even though Pachuri himself has been done a few times for funding cash from the UN into his own little private businesses in India. But uh, more than just a, a few, you know, mill. But anyway, uh, this is corruption, and corruption is very rampant in these leftist organizations. Now, there's an article, too, about the hacking that's going on across the planet, supposedly. It says hackers steal entire 2011 census. The entire 2011 UK census database has been stolen by hackers and will be published online. It's been claimed. It's hard to know if this is true or not. And this is from a telegraph, anyway. But it says, um, Ryan Cleary, an alleged member of the hacking group behind the claim, uh, Lulzek, was arrested in Essex this morning by specialist cyber crime officers from Scotland Yard. 19-year-old was taken to the central London police station, etc., etc., etc. A significant amount of material was also seized from an address in Wickford, Essex. So, I don't know if they got the whole census or not. And um, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Britain's been so careless with its security. They've had so many exposés of people and people on, on uh, welfare and everything else and medical records getting put all over the planet by different peoples, and um, they t- keep telling us it's safe, it's safe, isn't it? This internet's so safe, isn't it? <laughs> but then it's not really there for all that. It's really there for t- to really um, get all your data on a daily, a daily basis since you help them so well. Apple, of course, we've had so many police now, uh, and government's getting uh, in, in the heat, getting put in the spotlight for allowing cops to get off with murder, literally murder, uh, by shooting people, beating them over the heads and stuff, and uh, with people having cameras on their phones, they want to stop it. So Apple wants to block iPhone users from filming live events with their smartphone. The excuse they give is so they won't, you know, steal um, uh, people's music, etc., live on concert. But the reality is, it's for the for the cops who are going to get more and more volatile on the public because they'll be told to get more volatile in the public to keep us in line as we go into this austerity blitz of poverty. Anyway, it says, um, holding up that an iPhone will trigger an infrared sensor installed at the venue. Uh, these instructed device to shout, shut down its camera. The cops will also have them, obviously. The days of filming a live concert or sporting event, your, your iPhone may soon be a distant memory. Apple is developing software where it will sense when a smartphone user is trying to record a live event and then switch off the device's camera. Uh, anybody holding up their iPhone will find it triggers infrared sensors installed at the venue. And it says, uh, on the way out, uh, it, says, um, it says, these sensors would automatically inst- instruct the iPhone to shut down its camera function, preventing uh, footage from being recorded. Only the phone's camera would be temporarily disabled. Other features such as texting and making calls would still work. But it'll be for the police as well. Uh, as you well, darn well know, that's the real reason for it all. There's been so many 
so many cops now just uh, because the cops have all got the message they're allowed to kill people that's part of the new authoritarian society that the club of rome suggested remember and it's, it's a sort of permission they're getting from the fact they're not being uh, thrown in prison it's like that ripples right through their their brotherhood is like they call themselves the fraternity and they all get the message they're allowed to kill folk and a lot of them are actually going ahead and doing it. And that's to train us too, to just simply jump and obey. And Telstra and Optus is to start censoring the web next month. Australia will soon become one of the few countries to have controlled internet censorship. And most Australians, uh, Australian internet users will have their web access censored next month by the country's two largest internet providers, who've agreed to voluntarily block more than 500 websites from view. And they are Telstra and Optus that's starting with them. And um, we'll see how that goes and if anyone else copies them in the, the near future. Because that's the way it's all going to go, as you know. And I'll go on, I'm going to talk more about the climate debate after I come back from this break. Folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Now, I'm sure most of you know uh, that Australia is the test bed, really, for the carbon taxes. And uh, they'll iron out all the problems to find ways that just, just sneak it into our countries and, and, and to make it even easier for us all to accept it, really. And I, I said from the very beginning, it was, it was never to do with uh, big corporations, etc. They'll get the cash. They're already trading carbon taxes amongst themselves and making a, making a fortune off it. It's a public it pay at all, and that was always the intention of it. And in Australia, too, the climate scientists, there's big articles out there where they're claiming they had to move, the ones who came out with all this rubbish, because they say they're, they're having death threats from the general public who are rather annoyed. It's all their nonsense that they've dreamed up uh, under the guise of carbon. And so anyway, this, one, this article here is just with the climate debate. It's hysterical, says the chief scientist. So the, he's on board, of course, because this is part of his job. So he's on board with the whole climate agenda. Australia's chief scientist, Ian Chubb, has waded into the highly charged debate surrounding climate change, arguing people who disagree with the scientific evidence supporting human-induced global warming do not deserve equal weights. That means equal authority or opinion, of opinion. Professor Chubb yesterday used the stage at the National Press Club in Canberra to say the debate on climate change had been appalling and hysterical and to label the scientific literacy of politicians as lacking. He also signals intention to make a more robust involvement in policy development. Mr. Chubb took over the job after Penny Sackett, who failed to secure one face-to-face meeting with Julia uh, Gillard, resigned earlier this year. Julia Gillard is her Fabian president, uh, Prime Minister. Uh, it says here, yes, it took aim at the media's coverage of the climate change debate, saying it had not conveyed the science in a proper and balanced way. I think attacking people because they're giving a message is appalling. I think some of the language that's used is bordering on the hysterical, he said. I've seen literature that suggests more than 90% of experts in climate change are all of one view, and that's an utter lie. I've got so many reports from scientists, thousands of them actually, who, who, who say it's all nonsense. 
and that is that the planet, the planet is warming and humans have, have intervened to accelerate, accelerate the process. So it's blaming um, humans for causing the problem, which of course is what has to get drummed into us so as we'll become sterilized. All quite ha- That's the, one, the few that are still uh, fertile will allow themselves to be sterilized. So somebody who comes along and says it's not true does, doesn't deserve equal weight. So unless you parrot the communist line here, uh, and say, yep, humans are causing it all, then your, your opinion is of no value at all, he's basically saying. What, what a, what a prune this guy is, eh? This chubby, chubby guy. He's rather locked up on himself, I'd say. But anyway, this is the sort of character that they put in charge who literally is intolerant. And he's, he's not open. A scientist has to have an open mind, you understand, to all points of view. This guy has none. Because it's a political agenda, as I say, and a commercial agenda for the big corporations who are already trading uh, millions of dollars of carbon taxes and credits, as they call it. The European Union gave millions out to all the big corporations to get them trading a few years ago. And they've actually said they're making profits off it. So it's not to benefit the ordinary people, as you well know. Now, I'll go to the phones now. There's Larry from from L.A. on the line, if he's there. Is Larry still there? Yes. Uh, Alan, there's a scenario in history I want to get your opinion about. Uh, it's about this uh, king. His name was Montezuma. And he mistook the uh, conquerors, the Dupi conquerors, for uh, the gods because he had it in his legend. Because they had uh, iron, shiny breastplates, the arrows bounced off, and they had fire sticks. Yep. Just a handful of them got in... They were invited in, got in thousands of them, slaughtered thousands, and seized the king and got the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, to bring this to today's history, do you think it could be in the consideration of the elite's minds? They've got safe havens. They could dig in probably at least three generations. Yep. You can burn the whole surface, every city, and uh, just annihilate the world virtually. And we already know you can live where an atomic bomb went off in Nagasaki, Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you think it's in their minds to go in their safe havens, yeah. burn the earth, mm-hmm. come out and round up the survivors with their fancy flying machines and giant tanks, big guns, and warships, and say, we're the gods, and get the people to bow down to them again? It would not be impossible, because they have discussed this <laughs> at high-level meetings, all possible scenarios, possible scenarios. Under the guise of atomic warfare, they even did all that then. And that's when they used, this is the beauty of, of tax money, uh, they used the tax money of the peoples during the Cold War to build hundreds of underground, some of them are little cities actually, uh, with their own barber shops inside them and everything, um, to, to keep the right people uh, through uh, maybe even to, for a thousand years in, in a fair state of luxury and comfort and so on. Uh, stacked with all the kinds of foods, they even have underground hydroponics and things like that. Uh, they actually have these, and I put up a, a link a while back uh, of some of them in Britain uh, under under different buildings for, for the top politicians, the House of Lords and people like that, and the Queen, uh, that a guy actually did. And so they have them all over the place. You, you also take into account um, what they have as, as the, the arcs, they call them, not just the ones for the seeds, the, the good seed. Uh, they also have arcs with containing all the DNA of every species on the planet, of everything that grows or lives in any form whatsoever. One of them is in New Orleans, and it's called an arc. Uh, it was a CBC, not a CBC, a public broadcasting service, did a, uh, or showed a, 
a documentary on one of them. It was headed by a woman scientist who also teaches at a university there. But she, but she literally said we can put it, everything is frozen uh, in an embryo stage, and we can bring these things alive at any time in the future we want, even a hundred years time. But hold on, I'll get into more of that when I come back from this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking to Larry from L.A., uh, talking about is it possible to delete uh, of all your plans to survive uh, for some lengthy period of time, perhaps underground for instance, and come out later on when everything's wiped out and destroyed. And they do exercises that simulated exercises like that. Rand organization, a strange not-for-profit organization that does all these big, big surveys for for every government across the planet and for the Pentagon and elsewhere, uh, they came out with a whole bunch of, of measures. That could they survive? How many could survive? Um, what would the, the, their population have to be even to repopulate the earth? All that kind of stuff. And I mentioned that they have uh, arcs. One is not just for, for, for food, for seed, but also for people and all animals, grass, everything uh, stored in, let's say, three across the world just for that type. And uh, they can actually um, keep the sperm and ovum of different uh, creatures to get together, uh, put it together at any time after dethawing them and the petri dish, and then insert them into any carrier, any mammal carrier. So even a human could get born inside some other kind of creature. And she, and she said that this woman from from uh, uh, one of the, the arcs, she said that they'd actually tried this, and it's, and it's very successful. So they're all ready for this whole setup. They're all completely ready for it. And uh, and I'll tell you another thing. Two years ago, I talked about my impression when I first came to Canada and went through the States. And what I noticed right off the bat was everything looked so temporary. Uh, the houses were made of wood, basically, with wooden siding. It was all plastic siding. It's even easier to destroy. Um, the the telephone lines, the, the power lines were all uh, on, on poles above the ground, easy to dismantle, destroy, get rid of. And uh, and uh, I thought, what a contrast to some other countries. It looks so temporary. That was my first impression, that there's a temporary time period for all this to stand before it would be knocked down or uh, something else was to come afterwards. And at the top, they, they talk about end-of-life uh, extinction. And it's called ELE. If you look it up at university websites, you'll see some of them teach this to members of government where they bring in um, various professors of science and, and history and geology, and they talk about previous wiping out of the planets and where did the dinosaurs go, where did this group go. Uh, they know at different times, different parts of the world has been wiped out. So this is always on their minds because it's very true, very true. So much of your money always goes to ensure that the, 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 the preservation of the elite go on down through time. That's the first thing that they must protect, and that's the first thing that all governments protect. It isn't just protection of government to ensure its continuity. It's to protect the elite and ensure their continuity, because to them, that's all that matters. So I would say absolutely they, they can do this at any time they want, 
Um, I have seen the documentaries uh, put out uh, by uh, very reputable people uh, on uh, some of these underground bases, bunkers. Some of them are, are cities, as I say. One on, on, in London uh, literally has their own bar for them. The bar, say barbers, shops, and, and so on underneath them so they don't get bored, movie houses, stuff like that. So uh, our tax money built it all for, for the leap to go on down into time. The U.S. also built um, a continuity of government, which is also for the elite uh, base in Australia for themselves to go should anything break out in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, that was a few years back. So they, they're always, this is always utmost in their mind, even if it happens from some unforeseen circumstance, something coming in, an asteroid, whatever. Uh, they're, they're ensuring of their, their own survival down through time. Yeah. Now, Alan, due uh, to the idea of the arcs and collecting all the genetics of every living thing on the planet, that tells me that they have a fear. Mm-hmm. And that fear would be destroying the life of any single entity. They don't want to destroy all of any single entity because they don't know that in the future they might not need it for their own survivability. Absolutely. Uh, right now, and for instance, what they're doing now, now that, they're, now that nothing unforeseen is happening, and we have the weather modification, they're controlling that, they will give us food shortages this year because they're drowning the bread baskets of the U.S. and Canada, standing, just the standing clouds over them, just pouring rain. Um, so they'll do it uh, in different places, but not all at once at the moment. But they're, they're also, as I say, um, ensuring their, their, their own uh, preservation down into the future, regardless of circumstances. They're rewilding the areas with wolves, um, mountain lions, for goodness sake, in, in uh, places like Florida. The Panorama did a great documentary on that, and the public are told just to accept it. You can't shoot them. Oh, that's illegal. If this thing's wanting to eat you, uh, just be eaten. Well, you know, it's time the public got back into some common sense and some guts as well and did something about it because what a cheek, what a cheek, what a nerve, what a nerve to rewild these animals into populated areas of humans while you're still basically the tenant. uh, They're moving these things in for their future, not for your future. You're all supposed to move into the big cities where you get some measure of protection, maybe. Uh, but, uh, uh, I mean, how, how many slaps in the face will the public take before they stand up and say, hey, that's enough. You're not going to rewild uh, carnivores uh, in my area um, while I'm still walking around here, you know. It's, yeah, it's so disgusting. That's a $4,000 question. Alan, yep. would you ever consider being a guest on a talk show program, or that's not possible? A talk show program... Yeah, Divine um, Mind Group. Oh, sure, yeah. Oh, I used to have your phone number, but I lost it. Mm-hmm. Send me an email, and I'll get back to you on it. Then. Yeah. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, you can see what it's about, uh, Divine Mind Group, if you want to take a look at it. And I'll send you an email. I appreciate you, and uh, you have a good one. And you too. I meant to say, too, you see that high technology is also really viewed as magic by people who are ignorant. That's what scientists have always said. And they're using high technology now to modify the weather. They've been doing it for years. It's, it's, it's a, a, perf- a perfected art now. It's, it's no big deal. It's no experimentation. They know what they're doing. And, um, and they can make anything happen in a disaster level if they want to at any time they want to. And they can bring on the food shortages too just by drowning us out or else giving us too much uh, uh, no rain at all. 
which have, have tried both methods. So it, it's quite fascinating to, to see all this happening. You're living through it. You know what they want to do. And they're talking about, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the old Star Trek movie. It was called, uh, I think one of them was called, um, was it the Genesis Project, where they were reseeding a planet, as they called it, by increasing its oxygen and getting all life started from scratch. Well, this is basically the stuff they talk about, if necessary, to do after a nuclear war, after they've been in their bunkers for so many thousands of years. Uh, and they won't be suffering either in these bunkers. But uh, you've got to understand that everything that could possibly happen in, in, a, in an atomic warfare age has already been thoroughly bashed out and hashed out uh, by them, and all uh, the, the things they could do to preserve themselves have, have already been done. Already been done. So, uh, that's what I say too, yeah, when, when, when high science is viewed upon as magic by those beneath them, uh, the primitives, uh, then with Montezuma's age too, when the conquistadores came in, uh, they also were riding horses, and of course the natives had never seen horses before, and they thought that man and beast were one creature. They didn't know it was two separate creatures, so that added to the terror as well. So... Now, there's a, well, I'll go to the next caller, and it's Mike from Wyoming. Hello, Hello is what? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me get you thinking about numerology for a second. Uh, the number 40 rec- uh, recurs uh, within the Old and New Testaments multiple times. Yeah. Uh, uh, what significance does that uh, number have? 40 is also a degree um, and a, a much higher masonry. Right. And that's why you say life begins at 40. That's where the saying comes from. You're you're brought into true life and understanding at 40. It's also from Hasidic Judaism because they're supposed to study the Kabbalah, uh, sorry, the, the, the Talmud up until 40. And only then they're supposed to start studying Kabbalah with numerology, etc. Then they'll understand it more, but not until 40. So where, 40, does, where does the fascination with that number start, though? Um, I think it probably came from, well, see, 40 and, and even ancient times, and you'll find it even in, in biblical references, um, 40 really meant immeasurable, uh, massive, in other words, almost countless. They often use the words 40, uh, the, the, the wilderness of sin, 40 years, stuff, stuff like that. Uh, that has a totally different meaning, too, uh, than what people think it means. But anyway, um, so 40 is, is so important, and it has a number four itself is so important, because um, the, the, the quaternity, as they call it, the number four, um, has all of the measures of the Trinity plus the occult side, too, and they often refer to that as um, uh, the magician, the number four is the magician, the ones, the one who's higher uh, than the rest uh, of order, spiritual, temporal, and so on. He's higher than them, but he also has, has ability to change reality for the world. And so, the, in occult language, um, they use that. They also call him Black Jethro, by the way, is a sort of nickname in the occult. Uh, four is also where you stand four square, uh, and again, you have the four square building. And um, the perfect ashlar or stone that's been cut to be the, the, high, the good mason is also, again, it's, it's got the four main sides on it, uh, you might say. 
uh, if you hollowed it out, it'd be a, just a wall in itself uh, with the four sides. So four has mean four also means perfection to an extent. Ten also has some significance, doesn't it? As in, you know, four times ten. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There, there, there are certain numbers, as you, as you know, uh, if you go through them, uh, they, have, they always crop up the same numbers over and over again, or they dominate the, the numbers they're going to multiply. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to your your previous caller, and uh, I just happened to think about uh, uh, this attorney we have locally here. This is a small town of about eleven thousand people in southwestern Wyoming. Uh, there's an attorney who also has a degree in molecular biology, and he's uh, he's in the process of giving a series of talks to the local senior centers on uh, UFOlogy, yeah. uh, which he's been a student of for many years, and it uh, it struck me that this, you know, they 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 lay out so many false paths, you you, you don't know which way they're going to to go. But this certainly could be one. My, in fact, my barber was regaling me with this possibility today that. You know, are they going to uh, uh, give us kind of an Independence Day scenario? You know, thinking back to the recent movie uh, where they, uh, uh, you know, send out uh, phony UFOs with uh, some kind of genetically uh, engineered uh, organism that, uh, you know, so that we can uh, all unite yeah. uh, under one banner, the UN banner, I guess, uh, to, to fight uh, these uh, supposed extraterrestrials. Uh, that they've probably designed in, uh, you know, in the Pentagon or in, in some uh, Pentagon-funded it, it, it research. Sounds, you know, it, it would sound farcical if so many presidents hadn't talked about it. Because presidents, I think Reagan t- talked about UFOs and invasion. If only that was an invasion, he said it would bring us all together in this, this world, you know. And then, of course, they had movies out to the day the earth stood still, version one and two where the UN would take over, all the scientists would run the world rather than a, a sort of democratic election. Um, uh, that was always the message. Uh, so they would bring us all together. And I think it was Lester B. Pearson also came out with that. He helped draft up the, uh, the, the UN Communist Manifesto with his and a couple other Canadians. And he mentioned it as well in one of his speeches. And he became uh, the top guy at the UN at one point. And he said the same thing. If, uh, if, if we're attacked from outer space, it would be a perfect way from it for the whole world to come together as one people uh, and basically form a new kind of system or, and a new way of living. But it didn't start with him. You, you actually, I think you even go back to uh, John Dewey was the first guy to, to use that, that particular um, terminology and that particular aspect to bring the world together. And that's an awful long time ago. Yeah. Henry Kissinger, too, uh, his yeah. famous quote about... Uh, uh, people in Los Angeles uh, objecting now to the blue helmets, but uh, uh, if confronted with a uh, threat, whether real or promulgated, uh, yeah. uh, you know they would uh, gladly uh, uh, bear the uh, <laughs> the boot of the of That's the right. UN soldiers. That's right. So, yeah, and I I was struck too. I uh, I was kind of a fan of the old uh, movie with Michael Rennie, the the day the earth stood, stood still. Yeah. And I, I was uh, puzzling over why they would remake it. Uh, when it's still, you know, it's it pretty pretty well stood the test of time. Well, I'll tell you why they remake it, because I noticed in a few movies they've remade, actually, um, that were very important movies to do with giving up your rights and going under the United Nations and letting Mr. Paturi and others rob you blind. Uh, but but it, it was to as to bring in the, the, the more modern, politically correct messages along the way. 
uh, because I've updated us all into political correctness now. We know it's politically correct, uh, and to bring it up to date. Uh, and that's what they're doing is bringing it all up to date. Uh, all mankind's destroying the planet. That's all in there too, all the, the global warming stuff and etc. So they keep updating the movies to bring in all the, the politically correct messages for the youth of today. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, I'm sure you're a little like I am that, you know, you get a little bit... Uh uh, a little bit depressed, uh, a little bit anxious over what's happening. But, uh, you know, as I talk to people across this country here in the U.S., I, I talked to a lady today. I was I was trying to uh, send out a counsel case. Uh, I had a difficult case, and I I, I was looking up a, a, a guy that I had uh, taken a course under years ago, and uh, I ended up uh, talking to a, a lady who'd worked with him for like 30 years. It turned out the guy had been shot by one of his uh, fellows mm-hmm. and shot and killed. Then yeah. uh, I, I hadn't heard about this, but uh, at any rate, I, we were talking about the weather. She's in Tennessee, and I was uh, uh, asking her how the weather had been down there, and just kind of making casual conversation. And she said, "Oh yeah, it's been very nasty. Not not as bad as in Joplin, Missouri." And I said, "Well, you know, it makes you wonder. Uh, we, we've had this, you know, this incredible string of bad luck, you know, in the Midwest, right in the breadbasket of the country." Uh, you know, given that the, that the, that the government has this weather control technology and, and when I bring up that topic, I don't hear anyone, you know, saying, oh, boy, you're, you've got some kooky ideas or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't get weird looks anymore. People generally, then this lady agreed with me. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right on, you know, right on target. Yes. Uh, so the, somehow the information is getting out there. And I, yeah, I it's getting out. They still, they still don't want to believe that they'd actually do it to us. Because we're nice people. You see, we're nice people. And we judge everybody else by the way we are. And of course, you have psychopaths at the top. But they're starting to get it, as you say. They know it's not global warming. We've been cooler than ever before. It's cool and rainy all the time, and it's been that for quite some time. And uh, so they know we're being lied to, even by their own experiences. We're not getting roasted. It's the opposite that's happening. Yeah. Well, th- thanks very much, Alan. I appreciate it. Thank thanks for calling. And I'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix and just before I go to the next caller, this is from one of the guys who were up high at United Nations and in Canada, Lester B. Pearson, the guy I mentioned, he says, uh, perhaps there's a hopeful possibility here in the conquest of outer space. He says, interplanetary activity may well give us planetary peace. Once we discover Martian spaceships hovering over the Earth's airspace, we'll all come together. How dare they threaten us like this? We shall shout as one at a really United Nations. And that was Canadian diplomat Lester Pearson, Nobel Peace Prize, uh, the, Peace, uh, the Peace Prize lecture, giving in December 1957. This is an actual cutout from the actual paper. I've got it here. So they've been at this this idea for an awful long time. Now, we'll, we'll go now to uh, Lucretia from Oregon, if she's there. Hello? Hi, Alan. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I wanted to 
thank you for that link of John Taylor Gatto. I have his book, but that uh, our talk he gave was just phenomenal on, on how they've dumbed us down and, and their plans and how they've basically made juveniles out of all men, you know, just keeping them into sports. And it was just, and I really hope everybody listens to that uh, link you put up there with John Taylor Gatto. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was, that was excellent. And then, uh, if you get a chance, you know, one of your, the first caller there was talking about, uh, you know, they probably have a safe place, and it was fascinating. I heard a call or a, a talk the other night on the Bosnian pyramid, and it's just a link Bosnian pyramid. But they say this pyramid literally is, has incredible energy coming out of it, um, razors and, and food, and it just it doesn't go bad, and, and um, the oxygen is just incredibly pure in there. Yeah. And what else? Let's see. There's no radiation. Whereas normally, when you get down into the ground, I mean, the technology they have. And this pyramid is definitely way over ten thousand years old. It's, it's fascinating how they probably have incredible immaculate cities underground. Well, you can actually go into uh, look up a search for a Cheyenne Mountain in the U.S. And they built literally, they literally excavated an entire mountain. Uh, they built a railroad up to it to take away the dirt. And, and this was never released to the public. It, it shows you the secrecy of, of the forces, the armed forces and so on. And they used brand new techniques of reinforcing the outer edge of the mountain so it wouldn't collapse and fall in itself. could withstand atomic warfare. It could it had enough food and different levels underneath it to keep a, a massive community going for, for, who knows, maybe 500, 1,000 years. We paid for all of that, and that's only one of them that they have in the U.S. But they actually, at least on that one, did a documentary not too long ago on it, and it's been there since, I think, the 60s. It shows you the kind of work that goes on so quietly and with such incredible secrecy, using your tax money again, uh, to make sure that a few can live and, and survive um, for, for who knows how many thousands of years. Uh, it's, you're only limited really to, to your ability to make oxygen and that's an old science now in the high tech field and, um, and grow your own food underground that's old stuff again they were trying that back in the late 40s uh, with, for the elites underground shelters hydroponic foods I, I wonder if they can grow things like nectarines and strawberries as well oh why not I don't see why not it's all temperature control and the right kind of lighting yeah. right yeah that's true well, the um, yeah, and then you were talking about the underground road all the way from from Canada to Russia, you know, and that that was in the that was in the mainstream paper a few years back. They were, they were doing it from Pigeon Lake, Alberta, from uh, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. As a Russian scientist that designed it, it was supposed to be completed by about 1999 or year 2000, and that's the last we heard. It was to come out within near Lake in Russia, and it said this was the fourth one they'd done. I thought, well, we know nothing here. Nothing at all. That was mainstream media. Yeah. Thank you. No, I didn't get my main question. I'll call back. Thank you. Thanks for calling. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, where it's glub, glub, glub with all the rain. Uh, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.